I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. This is the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. The Everton Hour, straight, straight from, from the street, street end. end. And welcome to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Number eight in a row, Mark. We are on a roll. Mr. Johnny Seven here. Yeah, Mark Mack here as well. Um, Disappointing result last weekend. Um, I did predict 3 2, just predicted 3 2 to us. So I was nearly right. I thought you were on it. I thought when we went 2 1 down, which we'll get to all that in a minute, I thought, bloody hell, he's, he's on it, this lad here. And um, unfortunately, you were kind of on it, but. Not in the way we wanted it to be. So, yeah. I knew the, I knew there'd be goals in the game. Uh, I knew it'd be two sides who'd have a go at each other, and, and that's how it played out. And unfortunately, we were just on the wrong end of the scoreline. Yeah. Uh, so, you we, we got the team news. Uh, you got the team news pretty early on, didn't you? And uh, we the, the, the rumor was Gomez was going to be in the squad, maybe starting, but he didn't get a place in in the starting lineup. Had to make do with a place on the bench. Some, he did some surprises, but, though. Yeah. Um, on the Gomez matter, um, when the team sheet was posted on the Saturday or the Friday, whenever Carlo posted it, Andre Gomez was in the starting lineup. However, Gomez then went in to Carlo and basically said, I don't think I'm ready mentally um, to start. Uh, so basically, that, that's. That's what happened. So that's why he was on the bench. Um, he was penciled in to start. This is people will go. Well, how do you know this? How do you know this? But that's how I knew the team three hours before. Any, you know, it was released. Um, sometimes you just get told something. You get some information. Uh, so that was insiders. it. Insiders, inside information, inside information, lads. It's not. It's me red source, lads. Me red source. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I'd expect Gomez. You know, to be ready for the next game because obviously we'll get to it later. He came on, he did well, um, but yeah, um, Bernard's surprising, particularly with Walcott being out. We we thought that Walcott would be out injured, and, and that was the case. Um, I was surprised not to see Bernard starting, uh, but you know, it looked like a side that could still do something in the game when the team sheet come out. Luca Dean out as well though, uh, didn't travel, so uh, Bainsey came in. And, you know, Baines is so reliable, so uh, there was no real worries there. Awobi came in, uh, and Delph came back in. Yeah, I mean, when you saw that that midfield of, you know, Awobi, Delph, Sigurdsson and Snyderland, it doesn't fill you with, with, you know, a lot of excitement, does it really, when you see those four names? A Bernard or someone would have added a little bit of extra excitement I would have thought but yeah uh, Luca Dean apparently is a muscle strain that was picked up in training on the Friday okay so it didn't take long for us to have smiles on our faces it's about 27 seconds and the Blues are 1-0 up yeah uh, and it was a, it was a decent little goal as well quick quick yes or no Graeme Souness reckons it was dangerous playing high feet Graeme Souness is half right in the fact that if it was uh, a red shape player who would have scored that, 
of course it's a foul. <laughs> so of course he's going to say that. Um, I can see, I can see why he would say that. Uh, it was more though that he got the ball before uh, Luis got his head there, and it was more. It, he he already won the ball, so it's not dangerous as such. Although it was high, so I don't know. It's one of them, isn't it? I didn't think it was dangerous. I thought the ball was there to play for. I thought it was a great piece of improvisation from DCL. Great little finish. Um, what I will say is, you know, many weeks on this podcast, we pick apart Everton's defending. Some of Arsenal's defending, particularly in that first half. David Luiz and Mustafi, my, oh my word. I, I would, around everywhere. I would fume if they were our centre-halves. It was like, They'd never, ever played in the same team with each other. They were just standing where they want. The the, the shape was just awful. And why shocked Dan Mustafi is dying his hair grey like he's Sergio Aguero or someone. If you shit, you shouldn't be drawing attention to yourself. And I can see why David Moyes bombed him out of our club years ago. Yeah, that's quite harsh, quite scathing that. But, you know, if, if it... Uh... If it's he, he is he is shit. There's no other <laughs> way for it. Sometimes you've got to call a spade a spade and keep a description simple. Shit. Okay. Uh, I, I must apologise if anyone can hear uh, my washing machine going off in the background. Contrary to pop, popular belief, I do actually do some washing. Uh, so apologies. <laughs> so Blues are one 0 up, and then the game. Uh, changes a little bit through a, uh, a bit of a, a crossfield crossfield ball and Sidibe challenges with Kalasanach. Kalas, is that how you say his name? I'm, I'm stuck on these names today. Kal- yeah, Kalasanach, I'll go with that. Yes. Uh, and then everything goes south for the Blues for a little while after that, didn't it? Kalasanach goes off and Army com- comes on. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but when Kalasanach got injured, uh, and they brought Saka on, who'd have been playing at left-back recently, but is a very highly rated young left-winger. The Arsenal crowd cheered. Yeah. So if that tells you, you know, that they're obviously happy to see Saka come on, uh, and he did do some damage to the Blues. Kalasanac again was looked like he was going to be shaky in that back four. So I was disappointed to see him go off. Um He's the player that would want with me if I was getting hijacked in my car uh, so we could start battering some uh, gangsters like he did when Ozil got jumped for his watch. <laughs> but I don't want him at left-back. Um, so sadly, Saka come on and Saka did well for their first equalising goal. Yeah, that was just an incredible ball in, wasn't it? Just absolutely on, uh, on, a, on a plate. And... You could argue, as you just said before, before we started recording, Mina was slightly out of position, but it was just inch perfect for him. Mina, Mina was asleep. He should have been closer to Enketia, who obviously finished it off. But uh, yeah, great cross, great cross, great cross even from Saka. Um, reminded me a bit of me, to be honest. Um, well, that's then, exactly what I thought, to be honest. Yeah, I thought that's what you'd be thinking at home. Uh, but and then. You know, a good finish from Nketiah as well. He opened, uh, up, opened himself up nicely, then he just guided it in. And Pickford was... He had no chance, because it was so so close, kind of point blank. Uh, side foot, far corner, no chance. 
when when I first saw it in real time, straight away I thought to myself, do you know what? I can't focus at anyone there because there's nothing you can do about that. It's a great cross. It's a great finish. It wasn't until I saw the replay, then I started to notice Mina's positioning. He was caught asleep a little bit there. Um, something he'll learn from, hopefully. I think I think you're a little bit harsh with that, but it was just on a play for him. He, he, he kind of he kind of peeled off away from him. You can't. I mean, what are you meant to do? He's behind you. I don't know what else he's. You know, he, he could have been a little bit tighter, more aware, but it's just a matter of awareness and position, isn't it? You know, you shouldn't be letting centre forward have that space. Okay, uh, but down that uh, down our right hand side there, uh, and. It kind of highlighted a bit of a weakness, which we'll come back to a little bit later on. Uh, it, it wasn't that long. You know, we, we were still playing quite well, but there it, 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 it was a lot more danger. And uh, before too long, we found ourselves 2-1 down. Yeah, um, you know, it, they've got a world-class forward, haven't they, in Aubameyang. And, uh, he did some damage and scored a second. Um, yeah, it was, it was... I mean, at that point, I thought... Oh, this this could re- go wrong for us here. I thought at that point, you know, Arsenal were really coming into the game, and I thought we might fall a couple of goals behind. But uh, I don't know what you thought of the goal. I thought, I mean, when he broke through there, and I know comparisons are being made with another for, number fourteen for Arsenal. It was just Henri esque, wasn't it? Great pace getting away, and as soon as he got as soon as he got that extra yard away, he opened again, opened his body up, Pickford came out, and there was just it was an absolute. Said that he was going to put that one away, just like like on, it was on Riesk. So I slagged him off before as well, and I think his defending is on a par with Mustafi. However, David Louise gives you something going forward, and it was a great ball into Aubameyang. I was trying to think who it was who put the assist in. Yeah, it was just he, he just he put it he put it on a play for and put it into the space behind. He took it on straight. You know, he gave himself a decent angle rather than going straight down the middle. Pickford came out, boom, passed him, two one down the Blues. Uh, we still, I mean, we we're a little, under a little bit more threat, but I still, we were definitely still in the game though. Um, I just felt at that point though that Arsenal was sort of getting momentum and you know becoming more of an attacking force. And I thought to myself, if we if we ship another goal before half time. It could end up fours or fives, you know. We went in three-one down, um, but you know, right in the last sort of dying minute of the the first half, wasn't it? It was a second goal for the Blues. It was a mad one. Uh, so five minutes uh, at uh, time added on for for the uh, Kalasinic uh, injury, uh, and I'm sure it was it was it in it was in that time added on. Uh, I, I still don't know how it went in. It was, it was just, just a. It was just oh, a bit yeah. of a scramble, wasn't it? You know, crazy goal. I I still wonder whether Richarlison got a touch. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and because Mina, the ball was kind of whipped in, ish. Mina flicked the ball on a little bit, uh, straight at uh, Leno. Is it Leno? It was Leno, wasn't it? In yeah, goal. Jay, Jay, big, big Jay Leno, big Jay Leno. Yeah, uh, in goal, and he fumbles it on onto Richarlison's toe I guess and it just kind of bumbles past the line and Richarlison wheels away doesn't uh, doesn't look entirely convinced with himself 
no knee slide this time. No, uh, no overly celebrate. Uh, you know, it was it was it was a, a celebration killer bar thought, thoughts running through his head, wasn't it? I think possibly, yeah, he possibly. So do you, do you think he was thinking it might have been disallowed for the for the, for him sliding in? Yeah, it just it looked like one of those goals, didn't it? That possibly could get you know disallowed because it was a bit confusing as to what exactly had happened. Um, but yeah, you know, no VAR ruled it a fair goal, and and it was a fair goal. So two two and a half time, and at that and point, that's a gift. Think... That's a gift. So you you're getting in after getting two one down. You get a gift there. You imagine Ancelotti is gonna give them a bit of kick up the arse, and they're gonna come out ready. For the second half, aren't they? Well, it's that old saying, isn't it? You know, it's the best time to score right on the stroke of half time, because obviously you get the goal, but also you're sowing in seeds of doubt in your opposition's head, and they've got to sit there and there's nothing they can do about it for 15 minutes. They're just dwelling on it, and so you think, come out in the second half, try and get, you know, we've scored early in the first half, late in the first half. Let's get another goal. And Mark Max predictions looking good. Didn't go that way. No, and uh, another decent ball in from the right. Uh, and Aubameyang throws himself at it. Bit of a diving header into the into the turf and bounces up over the flailing Pickford's hands. Do you think he could have done better? Yeah. I do, I, but I, I don't, people, people, are gonna, people are going to moan at me saying I'm always on Pickford's back, so I just think, you know, there are keepers out there that would have saved it. He didn't seem to spring across. He didn't dive as such. And you'll remember this old expression. It was like a Weetabix dive. He just dropped down sideways like a sack of shit. <laughs> you know, why? That, that might be harsh, um, but he just, you know... I don't. I don't want to sit. I don't want this to turn into the I moan at Jordan Pickford podcast every week. He is what he is. I, don't, I think. Well, you know, you know, I, I've been defending him. I've been defending him, but this of course time, off. this time, I think, I just think he could have done better with that. He, you know, it, it wasn't the best placed header. It was down into the into the ground, and it bounces. It bounces over him. I, I saw somebody the other day say something along the lines of. Uh, if West Ham get relegated we should try and get Fabianski as back up to Jordan Pickford Fabianski is a much better keeper I don't know about that I'm telling you I'm telling you um, anyway 3-2 down and then so you know they, they have one or two other chances they hit, the, hit the bar was, was it Pepe who hit the bar right. uh, yeah I think it was yeah uh, but this, the stats show, I mean, the chances that we had. We had 17 chances uh, or efforts to their nine, five on target to their four. We did have enough chances to win that game, particularly with uh, Calvert-Lewin towards the end. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of people just saying utter rubbish about, you know, this is why Calvert-Lewin's not good enough to lead the line for Everton, you know. Other strikers would have would have missed all those chances. Says who? Well, everybody has an off day, and you know, I think Cal, I think Dominic's easily done enough to show now he's a Premier League class striker. 
who's only getting better, he's only improving. Let's 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 just look at that for a sec, right? If you look at if you're going to criticise players for missing chances, if you look at City on the day, even above the shite, on the day, the best side, the best squad, the, the one you'd want to watch the most in the league. Aguero, one of the most consistently best strikers in the league for the past ten years, whatever, and still can't put a penalty away. So, is that Aguero who's never made team of the year any year in the Premier League? That's mad. How? I don't know. Weird stuff, that, isn't it? Weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, it. people have short memories, don't they? They say, how did Calvert-Lewin miss that chance towards the end? Well, how did he score the chance in the first minute? Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, so strikers miss chances, strikers score chances. Um, I'm happy with Dom's doing at the minute, and I think he'll only get better. So certainly no, no issues for me. At the end of the day, you come away from that game and you think to yourself, do you know what? We we played okay there. It was a decent, it was a, a decent performance defensively. You know, there's issues there that need to be looked at. But I thought as an attacking threat, you know, we did well. It's how, how long is it since we went down there and won? Well, I'll come to that in a little bit. Come to, come to that a little bit because there's been a lot of reflection on that. I think it's 24 years. I'll have a look at the actual stat in, in a little bit when we get to the news. Uh, but uh, you can say all that, but ultimately we've still come away from a big club, so to speak, with nothing. And it just happens. It's it, you know one win, and that was the one that you went to at Man U uh, when Oviedo scored in in the last God knows how many years. It's it's you think. Ancelotti has got to sort this out as soon as possible because we can go away and play play well. Have 17 chances to their nine, but ultimately you've got to stick the ball away and you've got to defend better, and that's where, where we're left, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. And I mean, although I've said it was a good team performance, there was a number of poor individual performances, wasn't it? We yes. have to, you have to say. I mean, Sigurdsson again. You know, it's just anonymous. This is this is a, I've just I've seen a lot of criticism of Sigurdsson and he was doing the Billy, the old Billy, showing for a pass, like hiding behind players or not moving into the space where he could have done. And I appreciate he's not he's he's more of a central midfielder these days, and he was asked to play out on the left. But he's a fifty million pound player. He should be able to play bloody left back and know what position to get into. Uh, and he just wasn't Did there. He- you mean you look? You look at Gomez coming on for the twenty minutes or whatever he got, and yeah. for the lad who's just been out with a horrific injury for like quite a few months, you just the golfing class between what Sigurdsson provided you, and then what Gomez Gomez is a, a proper central midfielder, isn't he? And you know it's just I don't know the lad. I mean, I thought the midfield in general, the, the starting four, none of them particularly played well. Uh, Sidibe, what did you think, Sidibe? Uh, it, it just it, it, it highlighted a real weakness for me there, uh, and it's it, I've been kind of singing his praises a little bit because he can whip a decent ball in, but ultimately, what what do you want your right back to do? Well, you want him to defend, yeah, and you want and, and and you know anything he can give you attacking wise uh, is, is a bonus, isn't it? So yeah, and 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 I'm I'm, I'm sure. Seamus will be looking at that performance and wondering, you know, he's got to be expecting to be uh, selected against Man U. The problem is, though, Seamus isn't getting any younger. 
And he is, I, he but he's he's, old, he's young enough to finish off this season and then look at it a real uh, a real uh, position to strengthen in the summer. So, on should be watch at the moment, sign or not sign? Uh, it's one of those. I mean, you look at twelve million fee. That that's too much for what's essentially going to be a squad player. Uh, so if we don't match that fee, he doesn't go elsewhere. If we can pick him up, pick him up for less than that. I think he adds something to the squad, but he's not he's not a first choice right back for me. Okay. Um, who who do you think had a good game for us? Uh, I thought Gomez uh, was man of the match in the short spell he had. He, he was bright on the ball. He, as you said, proper midfielder. He knew where to put the ball. Some of his passing was excellent. Uh, I, I think he was an absolute shining light uh, in, in that midfield. Obviously, DCL and Richarlison will get the glory, but I, I, in that 20-minute performance, he, he just showed a, a million times more than any midfielder, apart from Bernard, we've seen in the past. Uh, it's such a shame, in. isn't it, that he, you know, he, he, start, he thought it, that he didn't have it in him to start. I mean, well, maybe, maybe, I he know, didn't. maybe he didn't. Well, I know Ancelotti's philosophy philosophy though on, on players who are coming back from injury or you know we're carrying a little knock is he prefers them you know there are some managers who think well I'll ease him in I'll put him on the bench and give him 20 minutes Ancelotti the opposite he likes to start them and then if he gets an hour out of them that's 40 minutes than he would have got yeah more than he would have got if he if he brought them on for the last 20 so he prepare he prefers to start and then take off when needed uh, and I just think it might have been a completely different game if that had been the case. I think we probably could have dominated that first half. I thought out of the four who started, I mean, out of a, out of the bunch, I thought Schneiderlin probably did the best out of the four. Yes, Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin was, was, was average. Yeah. It was average. Awobi was useless. Delph couldn't find a blue shirt, well, dark blue shirt, uh, if it was, what, two yards away from him. Uh, busy again, but what what did he really offer? Every time he got the ball, he wasn't putting putting himself about. Every time he got the ball, he couldn't find a blue shirt. And then Sigurdsson was just completely, as you said, anonymous. So it 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 just it, it wasn't good. Um, it wa- no, no, it wasn't good. Um, and that leaves us eleventh uh, in the league, thirty six points. Are so. we eleventh now? Yeah, did we go down on? Down to eleventh. We're now below Burnley. I, uh, uh, I I knew we were. I knew we went down to tenth after that game. So yeah. So we're on thirty six points. However, you know we still what five points off fifth. So it is very tight now around that sort of upper mid table area. Um, it's a big game against Man United now next Sunday. It's a yeah. bit of a six pointer. It, but it's just the typical Everton. And I know you're not the biggest fan of uh, Farmer Michael and Kathleen, but. It's like Everton got the chance to go to seventh, but no, Kathleen, we'll settle for eleventh. That's the that's just Everton, isn't it? I hate that man. <laughs> anyone who finds him funny, I don't want you listening to this podcast. Well, not me. Does my head in? But you, yeah, you particular, you should know better. Um, but it, it to just to reinforce the point though, it, it's typical. We could have gone up to seventh, but no, we'll settle, settle for eleventh instead. But the games on Saturday just didn't go for us at all, did they? No, they didn't. Uh, horrific results for Everton uh, and our European ambitions. Um, quick little stat I picked up. I think 
under the age of 23 across Europe's top five leagues, there's only 14 players who've scored 10 or more goals this season. And Everton are the only club in Europe to have two of them. Good start, that. DCL and Richarlison, yeah, obviously. Like yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's another positive. Them, them on the score sheet again. Uh, keeping that great run of form going. So that's another positive. So anything else to add on the Arsenal game, Mark? Or should we move on to the news? Now, let's put that one behind us and let's get on to the news. Okay, so we've got a little bit of Everton news. Again, transfer window's gone, so not a whole lot of rumours going around. Uh, you know, the odd, the odd one, but there's no real substance to them. Uh, but I, I think where we should start off with the Everton news this week is uh, a real legend at Everton, and that is Speedo Mick. Uh, let's call him by his correct title, Say Speedo Mick. Say Speedo Mick, yeah. So... Obviously, you know, this this thousand mile walk that he's doing, uh, that he's been doing. Uh, but some of some of the reasons why he's been doing this, he spoke about his own battles with mental health, addiction and homelessness. And, you know, about the, the, the money that he's he's been campaigning for with this walk um, in his shreddies uh, to go towards that. And here's the numbers, Mark. A thousand miles he walked. £340,000 he raised and there were 2,000 people to meet him when he finished and then how many other you know thousands tens of thousands around the country who've like tweeted and retweeted and now yeah yeah give him it give him a give him give him the keys to the city you think that's impressive though I mean think about the proclaimers they walked 5,000 miles and then 5,000 more and that was just to be the man well do you know what no, what they said, what they said was they would walk 5,000 miles. Ah, I never saw, I never saw him do it. Speedo <laughs> put his shreddies where his mouth was and actually did. He did. Do you know what I don't get, though? If if he only wears on the pants, why has he got a bag? <laughs> it's just one of those life, life's mysteries, yeah. What I don't get as well. What a man, what a man. Why has he done it in the bloody winter, though? Why hasn't he waited until the footy season's over and done it then? <laughs> I guess this is this is the thing I really don't... All joking aside, Mick, what were you thinking, lad? January and February. I mean, I can only guess that, you know, obviously that puts the difficulty factor right up, doesn't it? And yeah. if you go, you know, are you really going to sponsor someone loads of money if they're just getting a good suntan? having a little stroll through the summer. Um, but, I mean, you look at the weather he's walked to, two of the worst storms, you know, in, in in living memory in the country. Everywhere is flooding. Uh, hailstones. Oh, just can't even imagine how cold he must have been. Um, but what a ledge. What an absolute ledge. Amazing. And what, was, what did you say the total was he finished on? 340,000. Three... 300 and his total and his target was quarter of a million, wasn't it? Target was 250, yeah. Unreal, honestly. So you put well, out do... you put out on Facebook and said that you think the club uh, the, the, the club should match it, and some people suggested maybe the players should all chip in and match it. I I can't argue with either of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, I'm sure the club and I'm sure some of the players 
donated themselves, didn't he? Let's 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 not knock them. Uh, whatever goes in, goes in. And let's, you know, Mick himself might say, you know, it's not about the club putting money in because the the club does charity work. We, you know, Everton does a lot for mental health uh, itself, doesn't it? And, and they have the sleeping for the homeless every year as well. So the club does do things. Um, Mick might just want to do this thing himself and raise his own money. So, but, you know, what a gesture that would be if he did say double it or even if, you know, I suppose 300 and odd thousand, there's a lot of money, isn't it? But if he said, we'll make it up to half a million. Yeah. I mean, that that would be, that'd be a proper gesture as well. Okay. So big congratulations and every Everton fan and every, every person in the country appreciates what he's done. So nice one. There's certain things that must happen. This is what must happen. That man must be given a free ticket for every Everton game for his life. That's yeah. the bare minimum. The bare minimum. The city of Liverpool have to recognise him in some way. So he has to be given the freedom of the city, something along those lines. And if he doesn't get at least whatever the lowest honour is, an MBE or an OBE, or I don't know the order they go in, yeah. uh, for his charity work and it, you know, it's a disgrace. If he doesn't get them three things, it's a disgrace. What about, you know, this, it was, I guess it was a joke, uh, it was all in, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. If there's nothing to play for at the end of the season, no, I don't know, I no. don't know this. Is that, is that, does that just make a mockery of everything? Yeah, no, he doesn't get to play for everything, no. You can't, you can't do that. It's a I... professional sport with a, an ethics, a code of ethics in the competition. No. I mean, it's like this nonsense about, Liverpool signing Steven Gerrard for the last game so we can win the league. Absolute nonsense. No, you you know, professional football club, there's other ways they can, you know, a statue. Let's get him a statue. Bless you. I love that. Um, But no, you can't play him in a game. Okay, cool. Just putting it out there. Uh, Right, okay, so moving on from Speedo Mick. uh, Big news this week, I guess. Which is a slow week is all of, all about a tweet uh, from Gary Neville uh, reacting to uh, some kind of Twitter uh, altercation, whatever, with uh, Kevin Ratcliffe, former Blue captain, of course, uh, and some Everton fans. Did you see the tweet uh, that I'm talking about, Mark? Yes, I did, and I 100% agreed with Gary Neville. Well, this is where me and you, some, you know, sometimes we 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 go like kind of one of us plays devil's advocate. Hundred percent right, hundred percent agree too. So, just in case anyone's not seen this tweet, Gary Neville said, "I mean, you haven't won at Arsenal for 24 years. You are crap in big matches, and in brackets, I actually don't want you to be. It's not in his best interest for, for a lot of the time, is it, for us to be crap in big matches? Because he wants us to be shot a lot of the time." I think Gary Neville, out of all those pundits, has a little soft spot for Everton for two reasons. One, because Phil Neville obviously was there for a long time. And two, because of that old, my enemy's enemy is my friend. Yeah. So yeah. because he's got a hatred for uh, the shite, just as we have, um, he sort of likes, you know, wants Everton to do well, just to annoy Liverpool. Yeah. So he, f- he finishes off with shrinking nearly every big game I see and you ask me to talk you up again Correct. 100% 100% agree and of course it's sore it's not nice to see that uh, someone who's meant to be an impartial uh, pundit but he's a human being 
and he's nailed it. He has hit it absolutely spot on. And I'm going to say something else controversial on an Everton podcast. Um, although he was a great player for the club, Kevin Ratcliffe's an appalling pundit. Appalling. Um, and he's not very likeable either. Um, so I don't really know why he's getting involved in this. Well, you know, it's it, it, there is, there's a time and a place for this kind of uh, debate. And Everton... You know, there's the joke always on last match of the day. When we finish fourth, they make t- they talk about the top five. When every other year it's the top four, it is something that is uh, a sore point for Evertonians, and it's something that and Everton, you know, players past and present. I get it. In general, I just think this time it, there's no arguing. There's no arguing at all. Out of all the ex-Everton players that we've met, and we've met a lot, we've had a chance to sit down, talk to a lot, like different settings, we've had coach trips away with them, you know, we've sat in little secret back rooms, you've even took some Everton legends to uh, <laughs> nightclubs around the city centre. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is the only one who has ever, I've ever really thought has come across as not interested in the fans at all. Honestly, Kevin Ratcliffe. Um, yeah, it's just, just I don't, don't like the man. I don't know. I mean, he, he, he's out of all of them, though. He's probably been the one who's been a high-profile pundit and personality in the almost recent history for the longest. So he's probably had to deal with a lot. A high-profile pundit. Yeah, he was. Well, like you remember, he's doing some Channel Five Europa League games. That was, you know, before after he went into it. That was after he went into his management st- stuff, though, wasn't it? Be- before all that, he was. Oh, look how that went. Rounds, he was doing the rounds a lot before that. Not long after his finishing uh, his playing career finished, uh, he was he was around then. But saying uh, all that, what a defender! Yeah. What a, what a captain in our greatest side. So, you know, just being honest. Yeah, a uh, bit of a side, bit of a. Jumping in the direction here, City have appealed the uh, the Champions League ban. Of course, they're going to. Yeah, they will. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen? It's Is it relevant to, the, to us anymore? The court of arbitration is well. It was an outside chance. There's still an outside chance, um, but there's a lot of ifs and buts and different factors, isn't there? So let's see. Let's let's keep an eye on that one. And see what happens. I mean. It, it, there could be another slot if uh, these rumours about Jurgen Klopp's uh, magic milkshakes, uh, <laughs> if that comes out anymore. Oh, yeah, because they'll get banned, won't they? They'll <laughs> just change the rules. Liverpool's the rules. blatant performance enhancing drug use, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing will happen to them. They'll, uh, prob- they'll probably get caught taking steroids and we'll get banned for it. Yeah. Uh, David Unsworth. Uh, some news come out about uh, a, a slight change in his role at the club. Whereas I didn't know this until you sent me this. I hadn't seen this. Have you have you looked into it since? No, because you only told me about ten minutes ago. All right. <laughs> so, uh, whereas before he had a little bit more of a say into you know bringing young players into the club and all that kind of stuff, bringing young players too. Now it's yeah. more about him. Shadow and Ancelotti. Brands will go out and get the players. And he, he is all about Shadow and Ancelotti and coaching. Yeah, because for a while, didn't he? They were runners pretty much two separate teams. Right? The under-23s had their own 
transfer kitty, basically. Uh, and you've seen quite a few players get brought in, you know, like your, your Lewis Gibsons and, and a few others. Um, and I always thought that was a little bit odd that, the, you know, it was a bit disjointed the way players would get brought through that way. Uh, obviously, like the likes of Mason Hargate, who's been brought in, Dominic Cavett-Lewin, it's worked in those cases. So there's probably pros and cons for both systems. I think what Unsworth means there by saying he's shadow Ancelotti is the club will have a certain ethos, won't it? Want to play in, a diff- in a certain way, a style of play, and Unsworth will be implementing Ancelotti's style of play. And then brands will have total control now over uh, all the players who are coming in. Yeah, this this one this kind of came out of the out of the blue. This little bit of news: Michael Keane was uh, the subject of a bid by Tottenham in the transfer window, which was uh, swiftly rejected by the Blues. I don't remember Spurs even being linked with any centre halves, let alone Michael Keane. No, well, uh, Alderweireld is. I hopefully said his name right. Um, uh, wasn't going to sign a new contract. So Keane was approached, apparently, or Everton were approached before Keane, and then he ended up signing a new contract, and we knocked back the bid anyway because we were, weren't keen to get rid in uh, in the middle of the season. I so, see what you did there. Yeah, it's good, that one. Um, do we know how much it was for? No, no idea. Um, so... I think Vertonghen is uh, is out of contract there in the summer. Obviously, he's not he's not a centre back, but you know they, they were just looking to, looking to strengthen, uh, and the Blues said no. So there you go. Fair enough. I would be interested to see if they come back in in the summer. I doubt they will for a player that's not particularly starting many games. Yeah, I doubt they will. I think they, they, there's a lot more scope uh, at the time. You know, he's, they're probably looking around for someone who's got experience. They're going to have a lot more time in the summer to go out and scout. And, you know, there's better options out there, let's just say. Um, OK, so the final bit of news, the one that you added on before, I can't remember what it was. In your back pocket. Oh, yeah, it was just a little a little something I picked up before. Um, and it was about Ancelotti basically talking about Jordan Pickford. Demand. We said before we wouldn't turn uh, this podcast into a Jordan Pickford podcast, but um, yeah, he basically just said that Pickford can brush off the critics. He says that you know he's mature for his age, Jordan, and he and he can deal with that, and he can he can get past that. Um, it's there to be seen. Is I I don't think he seems to be phased by anything really. Well, you can you say that though, but what was the statement he made? People hate England players. That suggests he's quite phased by it. Yeah, but, but do they? Do they hate England players? Do you, do you see a lot of hate for Marcus Rashford? Do you see a lot of hate for Jaden Sancho? Do you see a lot of hate for James Madison? I, I don't think there's hate. I think what it is, it's it's the typical uh, British press. They, they like to build, uh, you know, once one, one on top. Uh, on top of the world, they like to build them up only to bring people down. So when Jordan Pickford's down on a pint at the darts, then suddenly that turns into him being an alcoholic. Uh, and then, you know, one night out in, what, six months or whatever, and then suddenly he's, you know, out of control. And then it, it just... I can understand where he's coming from. 
Did you see the pre- any of the pre-match on um, on Sky Sports News or Sports Sunday or whatever it was? No, I didn't. The weekend. So they were talking about. Uh, I think it was on the Saturday actually. Um, talking to Paul Mason and, and the like, Paul Mason who can't stand Everton, uh, and saying, "Do you think he is the first choice?" And everyone was saying, "Yeah, he still should be." Who's going to come in now? Who are you going to trust to come in and stake a claim? Try him in the friendlies and then trust to go in and stop the penalties and be the presence in the in the in the Euros. I still don't think though that that's a major selling point for the quality of a keeper. The fact that England's number one, I just think it means that there's not much out there in English goalkeepers. There's not like I don't think there's an outstanding England goalkeeper. Uh, like you know, is it Pope, Pope who's being linked, and is it is, is it Henderson the other one? Well, there's there's Heaton, there's Pope, there's Henderson, there's there's, there's a few knocking around, but you know nothing that really really stands out. Going back to what Ancelotti said about Pickford, though, this is what he said about Pickford. He said, he is a complete goalkeeper because now in modern football, you cannot ask the goalkeeper to only save shots. He has to play with the ball. And then he goes on to say, he is one of the players that plays most with the ball. So he has to be a complete player. So that's pretty much the same thing. But then this is the most interesting line, I think. Ancelotti said, if I have to choose a goalkeeper with good feet, or a goalkeeper with good hands. I prefer the goalkeeper with good hands. So to me, that's saying, don't worry about the rest of your game. Make saves. Well, I mean, you could you could argue he's not quite a, a complete goalkeeper because it's about five percent missing off his arms, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'd say more like ten. <laughs> anyway, sorry, George. Uh, yeah, so uh, no other news there to add, Mark. No, nothing else. Let's have a look forward to the Man United game. Nice one. Have a listen to this. Our links. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, so back on the telly, Mark, on, uh, on Sunday. Sunday again, uh, two PM kickoff though, not the not the later game this week, half four. But yeah, back on Sky Sports. Um, hopefully, it won't be the same jinx as it was this week. Um, and at home, Blues at Cuddleston. Yeah. Um, usually, when I mean we don't don't like the cameras a lot of the time because it normally signals that we're going to play really really poorly and get a hiding. The game on a Sunday, even though we didn't get anything out of it, we gave a good account of ourselves and showed the country the progress, or well, show the world, I guess, the progress that we are making to some extent. Um, so I don't like the cameras at Goodison because because of where we sit, we're always caught in the camera and people always text me photographs of me pulling stupid faces at some point, getting captured on the camera. That's why I don't like the cameras at Goodison. Yeah, well, yeah. I just, I just don't like how long half-time takes when you're on the telly. Half-time used to be 10 minutes, and then 15 minutes when the Premier League came in. And now, if you're on the telly, it's about 20 minutes. So When was half-time 10 minutes? Don't you remember half-time being 10 minutes? It's always been 15 minutes. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. No, it hasn't. Of course it has. Games always start at 3 o'clock, quarter to four, 
15 minutes and then he always finished a quarter to five. It happened. Half time used to be 10 minutes. No, it didn't. It did. Maybe in like 1940 or something. Right. You're going to Google this now, aren't you? I'm going to Google this Do I have to fill some time now while you Google this to get egged off? Okay. Right. I don't think me and you have ever been to a football match in our lifetime where half time was 10 minutes. When did half time? I could ask. I should have asked asked Alexa, really. Half time. Uh, Change from. This is going to be really, really dead air time now. Keep talking. This is exciting. Just, just give us a breakdown on, on, on Man United's form then. Okay. Um, Man United, similar season to Everton really. Underachieved from what was expected at the start of the season. Obviously, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is coming for a bit of flack. Um, it's a season of rebuilding, you would say, for Man United. Quite a young side at the minute. They brought in a few young players. You know, you look at James, who he signed from Swansea. Chris, oh, here we go. We're celebrating down Skype. What have you found? Boom. 1995. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. When did half-time extend from 10 to 15 minutes? Uh, it was officially changed worldwide in 1995. When did it change in England? Several team sports match. Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, just to prove that it was, I'll, 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 I'll send you the link later. No, I want to know when it's changed in England. Oh, I, 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 that's going to take a lot more, a lot more looking. That's going to take a lot more looking, that is. But anyway, the first thingy, it was, uh, when did half time? 1995 officially changed worldwide. I'll send you that later. Through <laughs> the same time we won a trophy. Yeah. I, do you know what? I have no memory of that whatsoever. I have memory of us winning the trophy. I don't have any memory of half time being 10 minutes. Uh, live games for Sky. So that was a big part of it. So the Sky deal uh, took place, uh, I think it was in the 1992-93 season. Um, and it became when it became the Premiership. I think that's the first bit of knowledge you've ever dropped on this podcast. <laughs> There's a claim here that started in 1988 and 89 because uh, when ITV started covering the match, they wanted more time for ad breaks. Right. That, if it was 1988, yeah, I'd have that because I probably wouldn't remember it because I would have been, what, 10? It would appear to be, though, that the proof that it was officially changed here uh, was is in worldwide in 1995, and it says error 404 page not found. <laughs> Brilliant. Damn it. <laughs> right, I've completely forgot where I was off to now talking about Man United. Uh, yeah, but you know, as I say, they, they've had one of those seasons, haven't they? They've been bringing in a few players, a few have worked, a few maybe haven't worked. The whole Pogba saga just drags on forever and ever. It's clear he doesn't want to be at the club. Um, so I very much doubt we'll see Mr Pogba uh, pull on the United shirt against us on Sunday. Um, but who, the player they did buy, a potential Pogba replacement in January, Bruno Fernandes does look like a player and has started well for them. And is definitely the one we've got to watch. He's the obvious pick for me this week to pick, but... The form he's been in recently, you can't really ignore them. 
It's you know what? Just going back to uh, to this when Solskjaer took over. When he took over, this is still something I can't get my head around. When he took over as caretaker manager and he won like what eight in a row or something, and then as soon as he got that permanent deal, their asses went and he just couldn't win a game. Why the hell does that happen? I've got no idea. If I knew that, I'd be some sort of you know top sports psychologist, wouldn't I? I've got. I just don't know. Why do clubs have a bounce just from getting a new manager for a couple of games? It's weird. That, but that makes more that makes more sense because there's a. There's, Why does it? It's the same players. But it's it's a, there's a new level of it's like a fresh uh, a fresh coat of paint in it, a, a, a level playing field. Players who uh, were, might have been out of favour or weren't really liking the tactics or whatever, it, everything to play for again. Yeah, but you'd expect it to be. A case of it would take a while for them to adapt to the new tactics. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I think it's one of those just weird little things that seem to happen in football. Yeah. Well, because I've spent all my time uh, looking at how long half time was, I've not really got any thoughts about the Man U game. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what, what changes can you see to the side, if any? Well, Andre's got to start, hasn't he? I think you've you've got you've we've got no movement in midfield without Gomez. I mean, I say well, I say no. We've got a little bit of movement, but a headless chicken doesn't count in Delft. Uh, and um, I think it will add a lot more balance if you've got Gomez in there with either Sigurdsson or Schneiderlin. I think you play Schneiderlin at the minute. Schneiderlin and Gomez. Club, yeah. I think Bernard's got to start on the left. Yeah. I'm not sure about Awobi. Um I mean, is Walcott still injured? I'm not sure how he's doing at the moment, whether he's due to come back the weekend or not. I saw something again when I was going through the news before about Neville Southall saying that his face just doesn't fit. He just doesn't seem happy at Everton. And he seemed happy when he scored that winner the other day, didn't he? He seemed happy before he went off injured. Yeah, he did. But he's one of those players who... There's quite a lot of videos knocking around at the minute, isn't it, of like, Groups of players who are dancing and laughing, messing about, and as you see DCL, you see with Charles, and you see Mean is always in on it, you know. And he's he just, I don't know if it's because there's a quite a big age difference there, isn't it? Walcott's one of your senior players around the 30 mark or over 30, and then you've got that raft of young players who all seem to get on and have a laugh. Um, so I don't know if that's what they're saying, his face doesn't fit, or whether Southall just going back to the whole, you know. This, this archetypal Everton player of someone who gets stuck in and, you know, you don't have to be the most skillful, but you have to show fight and throw a tackle in and that's how you endear yourself to the Everton faithful. Um, but, you know, on form of the last couple of months, you know, Walcott probably deserves a place in the side. I, I think definitely above Awobi. I know oh, 100%. 100%. Awobi's going come back from injury, but... He's shown he's shown a lot more than a Wobi in the last uh, since since Ancelotti took over. Obviously, he's been injured, as I say. But yeah, if if you're playing a four four two or if you're playing two strikers, uh, to me you've got to have DCL and Richarlison up front, which means your two wide players for me I, again would be Bernard and Wilcox. They'd be the two I'd be starting. I think if if a Wobi doesn't make it, and the only the only way Sadibe should be near that pitch is if he if the if he doubles up on the right hand side. And he goes with Coleman right back and Sidibe on the right mid uh, because there's no way he should be right back. So I think that's the other change. I think Dini is probably going to come back in. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't fully agree with that. I think you can play to the be right back. Okay. You know, I think you can. I don't see it. I don't have a major issue with that. Uh, okay. Uh, the, the other, so I think Holgate and Mina will get the nod again. Uh, hopefully, Gomez starts, as we say, probably with Schneiderlin because he's shown a little bit more than Sigurdsson at the moment. And then, you know, the, the, the top two um, pick themselves again. So, you know. Yeah. You're a bit worried at the minute that, you know, Moyes Keane's lack a minute. No, I think you, what, where are you meant to play him? You've got you've got uh, Richarlison and DCL who were putting you know putting the ball away every time. Well, not every time, but every game. You know the, the run they're on. You know if he comes in ahead of a winger when you've got wingers on the bench, you've got a problem. So no, I'm not that worried. Right, okay, all right. Um, Score wise, it's a tough one to predict this. I think um, it's a game. I feel like we have to win if we've got any ambition this season. Um, and I I think it'll be tighter than the Arsenal game. I think, you know, we're, we, we seem to be a lot tighter at home. I'm going to go for uh, a 1-0 win for the Blues. 25 years ago, we beat Man U 1-0 when Big Dunk towered at the far post and then wheeled away in celebration with his shirt swinging around his head. I'm mad to that, 25 years ago. Do you know how long our time was in that game? 15 minutes. <laughs> was it 15 minutes? Okay. Um, it was yeah. the first season. It was the first season that it was 15 minutes. <laughs> I'd like to see Andre Gomez score the winner and run off, wielding the shirt. But no, we better not do that because there'd be a few women fighting in the crowd, <laughs> wouldn't there? Yeah. Uh, he probably looks better with his shirt off than Speedo, Mick. Although he is rep speed though, Mick, to be fair. Well, yeah, do you know, remember that first, that the first time when he was in, I think he was in the Bullens, and it just looked like a, a weird fella, didn't it, in his, in his undies, standing there. He's, he looked a bit of a dad bod. And now, with all his walking he's been doing, he's, you know, in, in good nick now, isn't he? 56-year-old fella. You know, you know. Rich, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 1-0 prediction, win for Everton. Um, Got to keep an eye on that Bruno Fernandes, keep him quiet. I think he is basically, you know, the player that could damage us. Um, you know, Rashford's still injured. Uh, Martial's looking dangerous at the minute. We have to keep a lid on him. But yeah, I think the Blues can get three points. Cool. Nice one. Okay, so Sunday, can't wait. Uh, back at the old lady. And um, hopefully we are talking a lot more positively at the start of next week's podcast. Uh, as always, I want to say thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we've got a few more listeners in Atlanta and around uh, around the US. Uh, so it's always good to spread our wings uh, in a uh, in your ears kind of sense because we're not actually flying. But you know, yeah, I was in I was in Atlanta last September. Was yeah, nice one. Was yeah. Only the airport. Only the airport. Only the airport. I've been to Atlanta. I've been to Atlanta three times. I've never stepped foot outside the airport. <laughs> I think I think I'm like that with Chicago. I think I've been to Chicago a couple of times and uh, never set foot outside the airport either. Chicago, so. I've done. I've done Chicago twice and it is boss. Yeah. So yeah. if there's any Chicago blues on here, if you ever want to offer an Everton podcast host a free place to stay for a couple of weeks, <laughs> give me a shout. Yeah. Right. Nice one, blues. Uh, on Spotify, 
Apple Podcast, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Spread the word, and we shall catch you next week. See you later. See you, boys.